Although we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. For life and death is in the power of the tongue. Give us this power, Lord. Give us this power, Lord. Amen. Episode 6 of the Warrior's Creed. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this weekly podcast. Your loyalty and dedication is greatly appreciated. I want to remind each and every one of you to continue to invite others to listen to the show so that we can create change not only in ourselves but in the lives of other people. Over the past few weeks, the episodes been about the three principles of change. The first principle we went over was raising our standards. We talked about the difference between values and standards. The second principle of change is changing our self-limiting beliefs. We talked about the dangers of having self-limiting beliefs. And today we're going to do a deeper dive into how to change those self-limiting beliefs by coming up with strategies to create lasting change. Our beliefs are a thermostat that regulates what we accomplish in life. In order for us to change our lives, we have to change the way we think. We have to change our perception. And by changing how we think and our perception, our behavior will change, which will go into action and we'll see a tremendous difference in our lives. In order for us to truly transform, we must be willing to let go of what we are holding on to. Our resistance to change is a barrier that stops us from becoming the person who we were meant to be. There is research done at the University of Cincinnati where it found out that 85% of the things that we worry about never happen. That means most of the things that we stress over, get extremely anxious about, the things that we worry about, the things that we lay in bed at night and think is going to happen, those self-limiting thoughts that we struggle with every day, where we think that no one likes us or we're not good enough or we we can't do it or 
nobody's going to listen to us. We're, we, we, those, those thoughts to where, where we think that that person that we're attracted to won't even give us the time of day. 85% of those negative thoughts, those things that we stress over, that we tear our body down through our worry and fear and in depression never happen 30% of what we fear has happened in the past that means most of the things that we worry about 30% of the things that we worry about has nothing to do with the present but has to do with the past so instead of living in the present moment we're living in a past situation that has happened. They also found out of 90% of what we fear is insignificant. That means most of the things that we worry about is not even that big of a deal. We stress over the small stuff. We, we stress over minute little things that are not going to really change our life dramatically but we built it up in our brains that it is so we have to recognize this problem recognize this issue and change that change our fears change we have to stop thinking in the past and learn how to live in the present. There's a story about a man who had a vision. And he said that in his vision, he saw himself speaking to multitudes and multitudes of people. Each week that he spoke, the crowd grew bigger and bigger and bigger. He was traveling from city to city and people were sitting in admiration and wonderment, listening to his philosophy, his knowledge, his perspective on life that they've never heard before and one day he was speaking at this big event and as soon as he finished speaking he was surrounded by authorities and as the crowd slowly dispersed they quickly arrested him threw him in prison and when they threw him in prison he sat there wondering what he had done wrong because they gave him no explanation two days later they took him to the middle of the city square and they stripped him 
and they strapped him to two horizontal slabs that had ropes going through the ends of it with metal cuffs on the end. They shackled his hands and his ankles. And he noticed a man on the left standing below him that was controlling the lever that would move the slabs. Slowly, the man started to crank the slabs and he can feel the ropes tighten. He can feel his limbs start to pull away from his body. And he was pulled in four different directions. He winced at the pain and the agony as the people stared and glared at him and looked in wonderment, in horror. And a magistrate shouted from a distance, Will you stop teaching your philosophy? The man wouldn't answer. He simply looked down and he kept his silence. The magistrate looked at the man that was sitting to the left of him and he told him to crank it again. And he cranked it again to where it was at a 45 degree angle angle, and he, and he felt the metal of the handcuffs start to tear and rip at his skin. He started to hear his shoulder starting to dislocate. He felt the crackling of his spine as his, his body began to become dislocated in certain areas. He was in severe pain, severe agony. And then the magistrate asked him again, will you stop speaking in public? Will you stop teaching your philosophy? The man reasoned in his brain, he said, if I just answer him, yes, no, I will never teach again. But when they let me out, I'll go back to teaching. So he simply just shook his head no that he would not teach anymore and that wasn't good enough for the magistrate and the magistrate said we need for you to speak it. I want to hear you say publicly in front of these thousands and thousands of people that you will never speak again. And the man sat there and not sat there, but he was being stretched apart and, he's, and, and, he, and he looked down again and he couldn't look the magistrate in, in his eyes and he, and he began to think to himself and he was about to belt out that he would not do it again. And then 
The man to his left began to crank it again. And as he looked down, he looked in the eyes of the man that was cranking the lever. That was pulling him apart. That was destroying his body. His spirit. And he locked eyes. And he saw a familiar face. And that face was the face of himself. He was the one that was tormenting his own body. In life, we are our very own enemies. And that ego, that other side of us that wants to keep our true self buried in silence torments us and makes us feel afraid to become our true self. But we have to fight past that and learn how to overcome our self-limiting beliefs learn how to overcome the thoughts of the past our self objections are the objections of other people because a lot of times what's holding us back is not only our voices but the voices of our past and I think I mentioned that in the last the last podcast so we need to come up with strategies and the first strategy that we need to do is that we have to make a choice. When we make a choice or a decision, we shape our destiny. There is so much power in making a decision in a moment. What holds us back is indecision in an action because we're so afraid of failing we're so afraid of making a mistake we're so afraid of being laughed at and being criticized do you not realize that most billionaires most billionaires and, and millionaires embrace failure they believe that failure is an essential part of life they always attribute failure to their success but too many times we are so afraid of failure that we hold ourselves back from achieving the greatness that is inside of us there's a story that Dr. John Demartini talked about that deals about making a decision. He said one day he was holding interviews and this man came into his office um, to interview for the job. And the man said with so much confidence and so boldness, so much boldness, he said, I am the man 
for the job. If you hire me, it would be the best decision that you have ever made before in your life. Dr. John just looked at him and said, okay. He said, I have one question for you. He said, what would you do if you had $5 million today? The man sat and he pondered it for a moment. And he said, that's a good question. He said, I would build furniture. That's what I would do. I always wanted to build furniture. Dr. John Martini stood up. Extended his hand and said, thank you. That'll be all. The man was perplexed, bewildered. He said, that's it? You're not going to ask me anything else? Just that one question? He says, yeah, that's it. He said, did I answer it wrong? Did I, did I do something wrong? And he said, could you please tell me? And the doctor said to him, He said, how can you manage my company when you can't manage your life? And at first, the gentleman was taken aback by the question, by, by the response. And he was like, what? Then he thought about it. And he said, I get it. I understand. And he walked out. A few weeks later, he came back. And the doctor's secretary said, you have a visitor. And it was the man. And he said, I want to come back and I wanted to thank you. Because that day changed my life. He said, I was out of work for three months looking for a job and not doing the thing that I valued the most, doing the thing that I know that would make me the happiness, happiest. I was afraid and I was fearful. And all I had to do was make a choice. And because of that choice, I'm now building furniture. I now have clients and people are coming to me for my furniture. And he says, I want to thank you for opening my eyes and showing me that I wasn't living my best life and I was holding myself back. Too many times in life, we are holding ourselves back based off of fear. And all it does is stop us from fulfilling our purpose. All it takes is a choice. A decision 
to do what you know you've been called to do. To do what makes you happy. Don't look for instant gratification. Look for delayed gratification. If one person only comes, then if one person only buys your product, just keep doing what makes you happy. And eventually, everything will work itself out. But we are so afraid because we want instant gratification. As soon as we take that risk, we want money to flood in through the door. And it doesn't happen that way. It takes time. It takes dedication. And it takes conviction. So we have to learn to move forward in faith and believe. We must decide that what we want is what we really want. We have to decide that we will be absolutely committed to doing the thing that we set our minds to do. When you operate out of your highest values, that means your true purpose, your true self, no one has to motivate you to do it. See, if someone's motivating, if you need motivation to get up in the morning and to go work out, that's not on your highest value. Because motivation only lasts for a moment, but inspiration lasts for a lifetime. No one needs to inspire you to do what you were truly called to do. If a child likes playing video games, they don't need motivation because they're already inspired. If you love reading books, that's your inspiration. No one has to motivate you to do it. If you love working out and going to the gym, that's your inspiration. If you love making blankets in or 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 making cakes and baking goods, goods, that's your inspiration. That is your highest value. That is your true purpose. It is something that you do that you love and that makes you happy. When we operate outside of our true purpose in our true or in our true calling in life, That's where we feel miserable. That's where we feel depressed. There's a statistic that says that most people die of a heart attack on Monday morning. I think between the eight, the the times of eight and nine a.m., the time that they have to go to work. Because most people are miserable at their jobs and they're unhappy because they know they're not living according to their values and who they truly are. The second strategy after we make it a decision is that we have to acknowledge the issue that we actually have. We have to acknowledge 
What is going on deep down inside of us that's creating this self-limiting belief? And the funny thing is, is that our nervous system is a feedback loop that's trying to direct us in the right direction that we're supposed to go. Scientists have discovered that our brain main purpose is to help us to achieve our purpose. And when we don't operate out of our purpose or our true values, it affects our nervous system and our physiology and therefore we feel anxiety and depression And we experience sadness and anger because we're not operating according to our value system. And those emotions are a feedback loop or indicator lights to tell us that something is wrong. So if your highest value is loving connection and you love relationships and you want to be married one day and have kids but yet and still because of past hurts and pains you put up a wall to push anybody away that comes into your life because of the fear of the past so now you're dealing with this deep depression And you feel unloved because you're not operating out of your true self based off of fear. So therefore, you sit there miserable and unhappy because you're denying your true self. And it goes in so many other situations about why we have all this anxiety and depression in our lives. So we have to change what we're doing. See, everybody wants to be appreciated. I've said this before, accepted and approved. So when someone doesn't feel acknowledged they actually may get upset get emotional those feelings that you feel in your system wants to be acknowledged they're trying to get your attention to tell you that something is wrong you may say of course something's wrong I'm depressed and I'm not happy but it's telling you That the very thing that you want is not the very thing that you need. So sometimes we get so upset and depressed because we put people on pedestals and we make them, we make their values our values. So say we do love and appreciate people and say love and connection and say we want to be married and we're in a relationship and we put somebody on a pedestal and we put them on a pedestal and that person hurts us 
and they destroy us and they make us completely sad is because we made their values higher than us and we devalued ourselves. So therefore now we feel depressed and upset because that person does not value us and we're not living to our values. Then the other thing is, is that when we get prideful, we get upset, we actually push our values onto other people. So we actually go the opposite. So when we don't want to be hurt no more, then we say everybody else has to live according to our standards. And if they don't live towards our standards, then you start to treat people the way that you don't want to be treated. So that's the loop or the cycle that we actually go through. So we have to learn how to acknowledge those issues when they actually come inside of our lives. We have to acknowledge the pain and the fear that we feel because they're actually trying to tell us something. They're actually trying to tell us that there is something that needs to be fulfilled and that we're actually devaluing ourselves in that we're not living according to our purpose. So there are so many people that have given up their dreams to follow somebody else. There are so many people who only think about themselves and don't think about other people's feelings as well too. And so people are going around feeling lonely and upset when they don't even realize that they're causing it inside of their own self based off of the fears that they actually have. One of the third strategies that we can actually do is we have to learn how to break patterns. Every morning, like I said um, on a few podcasts ago, I, I like to go and sit and meditate in the morning and I go to the pond and I sit at a pond, at the pond. And there's this fountain in the pond that I've talked about before. And that fountain I look at is like life or the fountain of life. All the water springs from this fountain. And each drop falls into the fountain and leaves a ripple effect. And that ripple effect, that pattern that currency, that frequency goes in a certain direction. Each drop has their appointed destiny. But then I noticed one day that this humongous turtle, it looked like a miniature island, popped up in the middle of the pond. And he began to bounce up and down and mess up the pattern of the water and created his own pattern, disrupting the ripple effect. And I sat there and I pondered about that and I thought about that. So many times in life, we get so used to the mundane, certainty, and then we lose it 
when something changes the current in our life. Some unexpected or unfortunate thing happens and then we get all into this big frenzy and we feel like we can't go on. But sometimes those unfortunate situations are meant to propel us in a different direction because maybe we're not going in the direction that we're meant to go. In other words, things always happen in our life for a reason. Just like I said before, Napoleon Hill says that every adversity has a seed of equivalent or greater benefit. There is always a blessing in the mess that's going on in our lives. We just have to sit back and look and see it and change our perspective. Too many times we get so upset and so focused on what is happening instead of looking at what is not happening. In other words, we're focused on all the things that do go wrong, but we're not focused on the things that do go right. We focus more on the negativity than we do on the positivity. And when we start to focus on all the blessings and all the good things that happen in life and look for those things, our mind will shift and it will begin to change. We will begin to see life in a different way. And I'm gonna go a little bit deeper on this on another episode, but it's about having the attitude of gratitude. We have to learn how to be thankful even for bad situations. If someone cuts us off in traffic and, and, and it makes us upset, then we should say, thank you for not allowing me to get into an accident. We have to sir, learn to say, thank you for, for everything that happens, every little bad situation that, that could possibly happen. You know, if, if, if we, we get um, written up at our job for being late, we have to learn how to say thank you because that's supposed to be a, teach, a lesson to teach us to be on time. So that's going to make us a more punctual person. If we get dismissed from our job, we have to say, well, thank you. Instead of getting upset and worrying about things that haven't even happened yet, thinking that we're going to lose everything. We have to learn how to say thank you, especially if you weren't happy at the job in the, in the first place. So maybe, maybe you lost that job. Maybe that door shut because the creator was trying to push you in a direction that he wanted you to go that was going to make you much happier. But we keep fighting against it because we want to stick to the mundane instead of changing course. 
So we remain miserable and unhappy because we hold on to the things that really aren't making us happy. Some of us do that in those in relationships. We know that we're not happy with that person, but that person, but we just we just like the fact of that we have somebody there to sit by our side and someone to talk to. And we know that that person does not fill our heart with joy all the time. But when they say they no longer want us, we lose it and we get upset. Instead of realizing that maybe, that maybe there's something way better out there for you. But instead, we get so caught up in that person that we put on a pedestal that we lost identity of ourselves and we lowered our standards accepting things that we know that we did not want accepting things that we knew that we did not want in a relationship so we began to compromise and when we compromise externally we compromise internally and when we do that then we begin to lose ourselves, we lose our identity and we no longer know who we are so the key is is to learn how to accept the things that happen in life and accept them and learn how to look at them from a different perspective. Learn how to see the beauty rather than the pain. Learn how to be thankful for that chapter in your life because you're about to write a new chapter in your life. That chapter is done. It's over. It's time for you to move on. And everybody likes a good story. And in a story, you're going you're gonna to see ups and downs ups and downs ups and downs are a part of a great story it's a part of our journey and we have to expect those things in life and what we love about a good story is when we see that person overcome whatever obstacle or hardship that was actually put in their path so we have to know that we are writing our own story every day. And sometimes life in life, things are going to change and shift like the wind. And the shifting of the wind is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. So we have to learn how to trust that everything is working out for our good. Our Achilles heel is our expectations. When we change our expectations, our perspective will change. We have to know that life is full of synchronicity. In other words, that everything balances itself out. Where you think you're missing something, it's being replaced 
somewhere else in your life that you're not paying attention to. Someone may say that they didn't grow up for with a father and they may be upset over the fact that they didn't have to have a father. But at the same time, if they sit back and look at their life and get past that pain and that anger, they'll realize that they've had father figures in their life that tried to help them. So the way that God works everything out is that even though you're missing something, he replaces it with something else. But we're so focused on, on what's missing that we don't see what we actually have and all the blessings that are surrounding us. So we have to learn to break the patterns. There's something that uh, Tony Robbins talked about and it's called Ni the Niagara Syndrome. He says that a majority of people's decisions are made unconsciously. So that means that our emotions are from stimuli, external stimuli that affects our nervous system. That stimuli goes in and it affects our thoughts. Then it goes into our feelings. Then our feelings go into behavior. We get caught to this loop. We have an emotional reaction. We think, we feel. We get caught up in our feelings. Then we think more intense. Um, then we have more intense emotions. Then we think, we feel. Then we feel, then we think. We think and we feel. We get caught up in this loop over and over and over again until we are so engrossed in darkness that we don't know how to get ourselves out of it. But he talks about the Niagara Syndrome. And he says that the Niagara Syndrome is symbolic of life because he said he believes that life is like a river and that most people jump on the river of life without ever really deciding where they want to end up so in a short period of time they get caught up in the current the current of life the current of events the current of fears the current of challenges and when they come to the forks in the river they don't consciously decide where they want to go or which is the right direction for them they just merely go with the flow they become a part of a mass of people who are directed by the environment instead of by their own values as a result, they feel out of control. They remain in an unconscious state until one day the sound of the raging waters awakens them. And they discover that they're five feet from falling off of Niagara Falls in a boat with no oars. And then they panic. They try to get out of the situation, but then it's too late. They're going to take a fall. And sometimes it's an emotional fall. Sometimes it's a physical fall. And sometimes it's a financial fall. 
it's likely that whatever challenges you have in your life currently could have been avoided by some better decisions upstream. How do we turn things around if we're caught up in the momentum of the raging rivers? How do we do that? How do we change and get ourselves out of those situations? We have to learn to read the signs. Life is always showing us signs. Signs are all around us to point us in the right direction. Just like when you're traveling to a city, there are road signs that tell you how far you're away, if you're going in the right direction, if you're on the right road, if you need to take another route, or if there's a quicker way to get there, or if this road, is is dangerous and you should go in another direction or you should go around a particular place there are signs all over the place and just like there's signs on the road there are signs on the road of life that are pointing us in the directions that we are meant to go but we're not paying attention to the signs we're so caught up in our feelings and our emotions and we want to do things the way we want to do them. We want things the way we want them to be instead of looking inside of ourselves and finding our true selves. Because when we when we do things that are opposite or we do things that make us miserable, we're not living in our true selves. So we have a hard time sitting back and looking within. Some of us have a hard time just simply looking in the mirror looking into our eyes, into our soul and seeing who we truly are. And I want to continue to challenge you to do that. To put your hand on your heart and ask yourself, ask God, show me who you designed me to be. Write down on a piece of paper what makes you happy What do you feel like you are meant to do in this world? We're all called to do something. What is it? Is it to paint? To draw? To teach? To make music? To sing? What is it? And usually we know that's what we're meant to do, but we're so afraid because someone put those self-limiting beliefs in our head and made us push our dreams to the side. Some of us out there are meant to be singers and we don't sing because we associate pain with our singing rather than pleasure. Because someone made us feel that we weren't good enough, that we'll never amount to anything, that no one ever will listen to us. And then we're always comparing ourselves to other singers. If you look at a singer and you admire them, 
what you admire in them is also inside of you. But the problem is, like I said earlier, we put people on pedestals and then we self-depreciate ourselves and we say, we're not good enough or they're too good for us. We're supposed to put ourselves on a plane of equanimity, but we put them on a hierarchy that they're better than us and we put them on a pedestal. And the things that we usually hate inside of somebody else is inside of us too. If we sit back and search our heart, we will realize that the same thing that we hate within someone else, we also have inside of us. So we should never be quick to judge. Our problem is judgment. We're judging ourselves as though we're not good enough or we're judging other people. And when we learn how not to judge and to simply appreciate people for who they are and to love people for who they are, we'll see our lives change and we'll see us begin to walk in our purpose. But too many times we're caught in being judgmental. So we have to continue to break the patterns. We have to overcome the fears also of making bad decisions. If you make a bad decision, it's okay. It's all right to make a mistake, learn from it, move on. That's what failure is. It makes you better and stronger. It, it shows you a way not to do that way again. I think Einstein or something talked about how many times he failed and he said, I don't look at those as failures. I just look at those as times that I learned that that way didn't work. And I kept working until I found the right way of how it actually worked. So we have to stop looking at ourselves as failures because we tried something once and it didn't work. Or we tried something twice if it doesn't work. That's what persistence and consistency is about. Take risk. Find out what works and doesn't work. If you're if if you're if you're if you're posting something or doing something, you're not getting a great response, change up the way that you're doing. Change your strategy, change your approach, change your message. Be more authentic. The key is to always be authentic. The people that are the most respected and liked in this world are the ones who are the most authentic. The people who are the most hated are the ones who are not real. People like authenticity. Be authentic. Authentic. One way that we can actually break the pattern as well, because my time is almost up and I got to go through this very quickly. And we're going to go deeper next week, um, talking about uh, strategies as well, too. This is this is a great way to break the patterns in your life as well, too. And it's to observe, observe yourself as if you're in a movie. Sit back, meditate, and visualize what you did throughout the day. Visualize your life and watch yourself. And observe. Observe your behavior. Observe how you act, how you respond to people. Don't get emotional. But just look at yourself and see the changes that you need to make. 
Look at how you view yourself. Do you view yourself as someone who is a hero? A villain? Someone who is strong? Someone who is weak? And if you don't see yourself as someone who is strong, then change it. Become strong. Observe your life and look and change the things that you no longer want a part of your life, that you no longer want a part of your character, that you no longer want a part of your behavioral patterns. Change it. Don't continue to sell yourself short. Change your patterns. Another way that you can break your patterns is turn the experience into a cartoon. If you have a situation that makes you upset, that you think about, picture it as a cartoon. When you do that, it'll make it a little bit more light and fun, and you'll look at it differently. It won't be as bad as you think it actually is. Sometimes people look at people that they're afraid of as cartoon characters, and it changes their apprehension towards talking to that person or approaching that person. So that's a good little tactic to do is to change your experience into a cartoon. Another one is to associate pain to an old belief. We make decisions in life based off of pain or pleasure. Every decision that we make is either off pain or pleasure. Choices we make is based off of fear or faith, but we also make them based off of pain or pleasure. So if, if, if there's a situation, say you hate your job and you're afraid to quit your job because but deep down inside you know you have to do something different with your life so you're going to go with what pain is less so in other words if the pain of of or the fear fear of of quitting your job is so painful compared to the pain of keeping your job even though you're miserable there you're going to stay in the misery of the job because you consider that pleasure towards the pain of the unknown so you will accept that pain more so than taking the risk so that's the way that we always make decisions we always go towards pain or pleasure our executive governor in our brain helps us to operate in our true purpose and when we operate in our true purpose we know that pain and pleasure is a combination to help us to grow and to reach our purpose but the amygdala the emotional center of the brain 
actually always pushes us towards pleasure. So whenever you're having an emotional reaction, you're always going to seek pleasure and run from the pain. Even if the pain is a good thing, like the fact of working out can be painful sometimes, or people could, some people think it's painful, you know, working and exercising a muscle. So some people, although they know they want to be fit and they want to work out, they see exercise as painful. So they rather sit home and eat a pack of cookies because that produces pleasure. And then they get depressed and miserable because they're not operating to their true values because their true values say that they want to lose weight and be healthy. But they cater to the pleasure instead of the pain. So, and this is the loop that people get caught up in. So we have to learn how to associate pain to our old, old belief. This is going to be the last one I'm going to talk about. And we're going to go over the other strategies next week. I'll give you the story of the prodigal son real quick. The prodigal son that's in the Bible. The prodigal son one day comes with his father and he says, I want to have my inheritance. I want to go away and I want to live, live it up. Have a great life. Live it up, dad. And so the father gave the son his inheritance and he went and he spent his inheritance foolishly. Lost everything. Living on the streets. And then he found himself working and sleeping with pigs. So he went from pleasure to pain. And that experience was so painful, so overwhelming that he came to his right mind and he said, I'd rather go home and be a servant to my father than live in this situation. So, he ran home to his father and his father accepted him with open arms and didn't treat him as a hired servant but treated him as a son. Sometimes it takes a painful situation to awaken us out of the uh, illusion that we're actually in. We think that we're on the right path when we're actually on the wrong path. And sometimes those things come in our lives, those roadblocks to push us in the direction that we were always meant to go. But we get discouraged because of the roadblocks rather than trying to read the signs. Another quick story about pain versus pleasure. There's a motivational speaker called Billy Allsbrooks. And he said his father was an alcoholic ever since he was a little kid. 
and his mother tolerated his father's alcoholism until after 20 years she got fed up with it and then after when she left him because he associated the pain with it he immediately changed because she tolerated for for so long and so much although he knew he needed to change but when he felt the pain of his wife finally leaving him that's what created a change in his life so sometimes we have to awaken to the pain that happens in our lives because it's trying to push us in the right direction towards the pleasure towards our destiny towards our purpose but I just want to remind you all this week and be reminded that you are more than a conqueror and I gotta go I'll see you next week I guess I should be crying